Welcome to the Club Leadership Podcast with Jim Weidman and Friends, the original podcast for Next Gen and Kidman leaders. Let's see who joins Jim on this episode. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the club. This is Jim Weidman, and it is great to be back with you this month. And uh, I have a special guest. She's no stranger to the club podcast. She's been on here before. Uh, Helen Fuller is in the house. Miss Helen. Hey, everybody. It is great to have Miss Helen. And uh, tell everybody, you are from Wilmington, North Carolina. Correct. I'm... Nothing could be finer. That's right. Than to be from Carolina. Carolina. That's exactly right. But right now, it's uh, kind of a storm coming. Yeah, I'm hoping we can get back tomorrow. It's it's kind of crazy up yeah, there. Yeah, we're at the uh, Infused Coaches Retreat here in Tennessee, and Miss Helen braved the storm and came on down to Tennessee, and now she's got to get back. And she just told me that school has already been canceled. So they're expecting bad stuff. Yep. Yeah, so that's kind of crazy. But uh, Helen is the next-gen yes, pastor? Yes, next-gen so pastor. At? At Rock Church. Rock Church there in Wilmington. That's and right. so you oversee everything babies? To high school. To high school. And so uh, that is great. And this month, uh, we, you know, Miss Helen... She knows how to uh, pick some topics, and so we are picking a topic that uh, a lot of podcasts might stay away from, but uh, we're going to talk a little bit about leading a racial diverse team uh, through times of racial tension. And I don't know if you've read the, um, the news lately or looked at uh, what's going on in America, but, uh, you know, I cannot believe... Uh, how bad racial tension is right now. And you're talking about a guy who lived through the 60s and 70s in Birmingham, Alabama. Wow. And uh, I saw some crazy stuff uh, down south in Alabama that uh, I, I, I never thought once all that got behind us and we realized how stupid uh, a lot of that stuff right. was. Uh, that we'd be digressing yeah. uh, like we really have in our country. And uh, just, you know, it's amazing to me how nobody wants to be sensitive to anybody else or learn from all the lessons that have gone before us in these things. But uh, it's kind of crazy. Now, uh, you know, Helen, you know what you're talking about because you work in a very racially diverse church. Tell us a little bit about uh, Rock, uh, Rock, church. Rock Church. So um, 28 years ago when Pastor Ron moved from Florida, he came in the very first Sunday, and he's a white man with a white wife and um, all-white family. And um, the very first Sunday, he said, if you're coming to this church because you want another white church, you've come to the wrong church. Um and that was 28 so really, years ago. 28 years ago, the purpose and one of the strategies yeah. of your church was uh, to reflect the area the and, and yeah. the city and uh, to be a church of more than one right. race. And he came 
um, believing that was a word of the Lord to him, not knowing the history of Wilmington. And the history of Wilmington was a slave port. There were tons of race riots. I mean, you go downtown and there's tons of Confederate statues and stuff. And so he spoke those things based off a word that God gave him before he even knew the history of the city oh and what it meant. So it was a, a tremendous step of faith. Um, and it started with one one black man coming to church and... Um, you know, over the course of 28 years, we've we've grown and, and developed um, as a church, and we're pretty racially diverse now, pretty reflective of our city. That's um, great. So, in other words, the percentages right. that make up Wilmington uh, pretty much are the same uh, percentage. At least in terms of black and white, we don't have a huge... Um, Hispanic population. I mean, we have a bigger Hispanic population in Wilmington than we have attending the church right now. Right. Um, but as far as the race, race between black and white, it's it's pretty um, consistent with. And our what and what city. is that? Um, our city, I think, is about forty sixty, um, and we're probably pretty close to. We were at one point probably pretty close to fifty fifty. Um, it's probably closer to 35 to 40 percent black, um, probably around 60 percent white now, um, just because of some things we went through a few years ago. Right, and then other there they they go in there. You gotta have yeah. I mean we other. have we do have a few other races, but it typically is black and white. Sure, and then for you personally, you're yes. you're a fairly racial diverse family. I have a very. Uh, Diverse family. My husband is black, and obviously my three children are biracial. And they are beautiful caramel children. They are. And I uh, love them. I love, now, I, 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 I'm a big fan of your son, although I've never got to meet him. I've watched him on football. And uh, for some of y'all that uh, uh, know about Michigan and uh, a little team that beat them a few years ago called Appalachian State. Appalachian. Appalachian. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Appalachian uh, State. Uh, her son, Caleb, is number 51. Yes, that, defensive end. Uh, defensive end, and we saw him uh, do some big stuff against Tennessee, and then on the ESPN advertisement for the uh, Miami game, Miami game uh, he was all over that. I was so proud of of that. And then you have two girls. I do. I have um, my middle daughter is in Birmingham, Alabama at Church of the Highlands going to ministry school right now. And then my youngest daughter um, is at home. She's doing dual enrollment. She's in doing college classes. Oh, my goodness. Um, a junior in high school and serves in all areas of ministry at the church at home. So That's great. Now, y'all are both not only racially diverse uh, as far as the uh, congregation, but you've also, on purpose, uh, gone after a racially diverse staff. Yes. And tell us some, some about that decision. Um, we just wanted to be real intentional, and I think, um, you know, I've heard other um, pastors talk about when, when they walk in a church and they don't see anybody that looks like them on the stage. Um, they don't feel like they belong on the stage. And so even before we had a racially diverse staff, we were very intentional about making sure 
the stage represented racial diversity, um, whether that was through volunteers or you know bringing in guest speakers. Um, we just wanted to be real intentional about making sure what we were putting on the stage was representative of what we believed and what we wanted in the congregation. That's cool. Now, what are some of the, the things I know that, uh, you know, here recently with the riots and things in Charlotte right. and with Black Lives Matter uh, and just uh, some of the other tensions and things that are happening just because of the history of your city, what are some things that you're doing intentionally to, uh, you know, lead um, a team both of staff and volunteers uh, in these times when, um, you know, uh, the media and everybody else says, you know, we're not getting along. So right. what, what do you do? I think, you know, when all of this started happening, I just kept going back and just in prayer saying, God, what is it that you want to say to us? Um, and there were two scriptures that I felt like the Lord gave me. Um, James 1.19, where it talks about being slow to speak and quick to listen. Um, and then, you know, in Ephesians 6, where it talks about we, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. And so um, just been real intentional about talking to my teams when I meet with them. And, you know, I can remember the, the Sunday after all this stuff happened in Charlotte. And, you know, I had a team member whose son lived in the apartment complex across from where the guy was killed. Oh my. And so all the riots were happening, and her son was my son's age and was like my second son. Yeah. Um, and so I understood the panic and the hurt she was feeling. And I think the thing that the Lord kept reminding me is that um, we got to be willing to understand other people's perspectives. I didn't grow up with the life experience she had. I don't know what it's like to have a son that's black um, and to be in that position. I have a son that's biracial, but that's not the same. And, and my life experience isn't the same as her life experience. And so just being willing to hear the other side and, and yeah. teaching my team to be willing to hear the other side. Yeah. And I was real intentional intentional when I went in that morning you could you knew it was something on everybody's heart but nobody knew how to have the conversation and I think it's important as leaders that we teach our teams how to have those conversations right. how to be you know I just challenged my team this week find somebody that is a different race than you and say talk to me about how this makes you feel right and just listen don't respond don't you know, don't feel like you have to be defensive. Just hear what they have to say. And don't you think, anyway, one of the greatest, uh, one of the greatest ministries that we can have. You know, everybody always talks about. You know, I'm facing things that I've never done before, and I just don't know what to do. If we're honest, I don't think we really ever know what to do because every situation it seems like the Lord brings us to. Uh, not only are they just different, but it's situations that we've never had to face before. And I've found two things that the, the ministry of presence, just showing up and being there, and, and a big part of that that makes it a ministry is you're just listening. Right. You don't have to respond. I don't have to say, you know... Uh, because I think when people say, I know how you feel, 
that just makes people, that's like a button to mash to get them to, how could you know how I feel? Right. And it makes them defensive. Yeah. And I think that if we would just listen, I know uh, for me, uh, if any of you have ever watched the movie Woodlong, it's a... kind of shows the racial tension in Birmingham, Alabama when I grew up. And uh, it's amazing to me that somebody made a movie about my God story, about when I came to know the Lord. And uh, as I was watching that movie and watching all those times, it brought back all, not only feelings that I had, uh, but I remember the people I played basketball with and football with that were some of the best friends I had, uh, I remember the frustration that they felt that that uh, they told me just by, even before I was a believer, just showing up and listening uh, to my friends. And we do that for friends all the time, but we don't realize that the people we lead, the folks that are in our church, uh, you know, one of the, the best ways that, uh, we can really minister to anybody is dare to be a friend and show up and walk through something with them and uh, dare to listen to their perspective. And uh, really, wisdom says keep your mouth shut. Right. And uh, that's something that uh, a lot of people don't do. What are, what are some other keys that you have found uh, in walking through uh, these tensions with people? I think... Um reminding people that the media's job is not to inform us. Yes. Their job is to sell TV. Yeah. And and to help remind people that what they're seeing on TV, what they're seeing on the media is what's going to what's going to bring in the ratings for that TV right. TV station. It's not about the reality of what really is going on and and helping them see past that. Right. Um and just, I think sometimes it's just reminding them because it's in your face all the time. Yeah. Um, and I think that's important. You know, I, I always go back to, I can remember when Johnny and I went through marriage counseling and I yeah. remember one thing he said to me was, nobody can tell you you don't feel like the way you feel. Um, you know, it may not be reality, but it's yeah. how you feel. And so when your, your spouse says, you make me feel like this, your answer can't be, no, I don't, because that's how he feels. And I think helping people learn that if they'll preface what they're saying to, you know, when when I'm helping people ask the right questions to know how to start a conversation, also helping my team know how to word their responses where it's not a white people always do this or black people always do this. It is... When I see this, this makes me feel, you know, I had a conversation with a friend who is a black parole officer and, and we're able to have very honest conversations because we have a great relationship. And I can, I mean, I just looked at her and said, when I see things like that, it makes me as a white woman who is married to a black man think, well, is there ever going to be enough? Can we ever do enough to make you not feel like it's a race issue? Yeah. Um, And we just had an honest dialogue about that because it wasn't an accusation against her. It was me coming from the perspective of how I felt. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that anybody that's listened to the podcast or 
if you've read any of my books, you know that one of my favorite things to talk about is strongholds. And all a stronghold is is believing wrong information. And we all uh, have been guilty of stereotypes and things that, that we have believed that uh, or we have been told. And, um, you know, um, I call that you got a degree from MSU, making stuff up. And uh, everybody has kind of made stuff up and they hold that as truth when really it's not. It's just stuff you've been told or things that's been passed down and it's just a stronghold. And God's word says that the word itself is good for the tearing down of strongholds. And so I think it really uh, calls for uh, both black and white, green or yellow, no matter what color you are, is rightly dividing the word of truth and being able to decide what is true from God's word and what's a stronghold and how can I take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And I think that any leader has to make sure that uh, they get their thinking right when they're leading people through prejudice or wrong thinking or uh, through some sort of stronghold or, or uh, you know, uh, uh, some, something that uh, gets us off balance or, uh, you know, anything, it's important that we take thoughts captive. Right. Now, my mother used to say it this way. She said, you're never as, uh, you're, things are never as bad as you think they are, and you're not as wonderful as you think you are. It's always in between those two. And when we listen to the media, it's just always the worst that it could possibly be, but it's not. That's right. So uh, in uh, reminding people of that, um, I think one of the greatest ways, and I think you'll agree with me, to lead a team is by pointing out scriptures that help us to think right. And I think where you started with, you know, we're not wrestling against flesh right. and blood. We're not wrestling against this group of people or that group of people. It's the devil that's, right. that's trying to get all that stuff stirred up. You know, and I think when we we hear and see stuff like that in the media, our natural, our human response is to have an opinion. Um, And I think as Christians, you know, and you hear it all the time, we need to pray. We need to pray. And I think sometimes we, I mean, my son even called me and he was like, mom, I just want to hear your voice. And he said, I told my friends I was just going to pray. And I didn't mean for it to sound like it was a last resort, but that's how people take it now. And, um, you know, I, I think it's not our last resort. It should be our first, first resort. resort. And it's not just praying, God, I don't know what to pray. It's let's find this, what scripture says yes. and let's pray scripture. Yeah. When you don't know what to pray, let's pray scripture and declare what God says about the human race. And, you know, even, you know, let's leave the race subject. If anyone you're leading comes with uh, a wrong thought that's contrary to the word of God, uh, you know, we're going to go to God's word right. and we're going to do that. And people say when it comes to race and you pull out that scripture card, well, you're just, you're, you know, you're just 
preaching to me because we're talking about race, but God's word is the remedy for every problem and everything uh, that we're leading our teams to. And that being honest, that, you know, if my people, no matter what color they are, uh, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then the Bible says that the Lord's going to hear from heaven and he'll heal our land. But uh, it's not a race thing. Uh, it's, it's a, you know, really, it's a evil and, and a godly thing that we turn to the word of God and use that is really the way to guide our teams. What are some other things that you have found amongst this racial tension um, uh, times that we live in that people are really just concerned about? I think safety is an issue. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, the the girl that I was talking about, that um, she's a black a young black woman in our church who is also a parole officer, is, you know, she, being informed, you know, yeah. is just how do we become informed and, and, you know, using her as an example of just talking to our teams about when a police officer comes, you know, what's the right response? You know, yes. if you have a gun, what do you do with the gun? You know, yeah. where do you put your hands when a police officer comes up? How do you set the tone? And so just providing opportunities for conversations like that to happen, um, that that help with the misinformation that sure. I think gets passed along. And I think that safety, you know, is a concern. That's one of the things that I've been teaching on the Orange Tour stops that uh, I have uh, had the privilege of being one of the speakers at. Some I go to represent Next Gen Staff Solutions, and other times I'm getting to teach. Uh, but, you know, it's amazing to me how... I think most churches are doing background checks and we're looking at uh, sexual predators and all these things, but not every church that I talk to has a live shooter uh, policy. Right. Uh, not every church that I have uh, helped or attended or consulted with uh, has a way to lock down the children's ministries. Uh, and again, uh, having police officers and people that um, uh, can help us with things when there's already distrust right. toward police. And I think that's uh, just showing a right attitude toward the police. I know one of the things that, that um, the Lord convicted me of you know, growing up in the 70s and doing a lot of things that were illegal, um, uh, you know, I found myself calling policemen names and having wrong attitudes and wrong thoughts. And the Lord brought me under conviction. And, you know, repentance isn't just, you know, say you're sorry. It's doing something totally different. So one of the things that I do with my grandson and also did with my uh, children is when we see an officer outside of his car, rather than saying that main policeman's about to give that person a ticket, I get them to start praying for the angels of God 
to encamp about them because they're they're away from their car. And, and I say, Lord, please don't let there be a crazy in that car to hurt that man. But also, Lord, keep the truck mirrors and keep the traffic. Uh, when, you know, in some states it's a law, you're supposed to get over in the other lane, but people don't do it. And I just think of uh, what would happen if we started not modeling bad things to our children, but we would actually model good things and good behaviors uh, that we should use when we see a policeman out of their car and being vulnerable. Um, you know, it's amazing to me how just setting good examples of those things and and just like not every person of this color is bad, not every policeman is bad. Right. And I think it takes us, uh, you know, rightly dividing the word of truth and being able to tear down those strongholds by speaking the word of God. I think one of the other things when you're talking about leading a team who are leading children is understanding that as much as it's on the mind of the adults, it's on the mind of the kids. You better believe it. And so we've got to know how to talk to our, our leaders and our teachers and the people that are in the classrooms of how to navigate that with kids because kids don't have filters. They're going to yeah. say what they've heard at home, and 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 you don't want to escalate right. the conversation with the, the kids. You want to help de-escalate it right. and, and help bring unity even in that, that tension. And so talking to your teams and talking to your leaders about ways to word things and how yeah. to have those conversations yeah. because it is very much on the mind of kids. And, you know, that's today. just as important to teach a small group leader how to have certain conversations. Mm -hmm. uh, I know, uh, uh, you know, it's important that we uh, recognize the fears of kids because, as you've heard me say, fear moves you backwards. Faith moves you towards something. And I don't want the kids to go backwards. Right. And so I want to be able to find out what are the fears mm -hmm. of our kids and, and be able to talk about some of these things. Uh, and I think that that, uh, that is huge. And having those kind of conversations, uh, you know, with our teams and with small group leaders especially, and being able to say, think about saying it this way or or, you know, um, here's a hot button. Right. That, and, and I think even going now, uh, you know, your husband is uh, a different color. But if you're in a situation where you don't have uh, a resource at home, uh, being able to have a relationship with one of your workers, co-workers or team members saying, help me know how to say this. Right. And I think even... I have an advantage because my husband is black, but even that, his perspective and his life experience, just like anybody. I mean, your life experience growing up in Alabama was different than my wow. life experience. And so I think it's important that we're not just sitting at a table with one other person. You're bringing in people who have different life experiences yeah. that you can say because you have a relationship with them. Hey, if I said this, does, is that offensive to you? Right. Because my husband doesn't get offended very easily. But there may be somebody on your team 
that if you, because I'm white, I've had a very white lifestyle. I grew up very middle class. And so there may be something that I would say that, that to my husband wouldn't be offensive, but to that person, it would be offensive. And, you know, my pastor says all the time, if, if the truth that I'm speaking is offensive to you, then that's an issue you've got to take up with God. But if the way I'm presenting it to you, if the way I present that truth is offensive, then that's my issue. And so I want to make sure that, that I've brought in enough people to the conversation that I've got enough different perspectives that I've done everything I can. That doesn't mean you're never going to, say something unintentionally that offends somebody, but have I done everything I can to present this in a way that is not offensive to anyone? And I think that, that, you know, when the church is aware of the day that they're living in, uh, and they understand there are certain hot buttons and there are certain subjects that, uh, a smart, church and a smart children's ministry or youth ministry is one that knows the needs of the congregation and then presents answers to meet those needs or heal uh, those things that are happening. And, uh, you know, uh, for you to just act like there's not racial tension, there's not problems in our world right now like we hadn't seen uh, in 30 years uh, or more, uh, and it's just being willing to be sensitive and to start those conversations. And so, um, you know, some people say, I don't like tension. But, I don't either, but yeah. if you avoid it, then yeah. it just but gets worse. tension brings answers right. and it brings solutions. And uh, tension is one of the, and I guess that's one of the things I've learned from uh, being an orange thinker and hanging out with some of the people, it's how we manage those tensions that cause us to move in the right directions. And so, and I think the cool thing is if you manage it right, those relationships grow rather than then become strained right. because you have the the ability even in whatever situation it is yeah. where there's tension, if you handle it the right way you grow closer together versus letting the enemy divide you, which is ultimately his long-term goal, whether yeah. it's racial division or whatever the tension is, his, his job and, and heart is to divide us. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the great thing is, is, uh, we don't have to be divided. Right. And, uh, I think it's just making those great choices. Well, what a great, uh, episode of, uh, the club. And I appreciate you, uh, being willing to share some things that, uh, you know, not everybody jumps out there and handles that and the red leg, redneck like me, they probably wouldn't think that would be, uh, a subject that goes on the podcast. Uh, but I think that it's just important that, uh, we be sensitive to the days that we live in and bring answers to not only the children we minister to and the families we minister to, uh, but the teams and folks that we lead. If you'd like to continue this conversation, uh, then you can go to kidmencoach.com. And uh, if you're not a member of that, uh, all you have to do is just use... uh, um, 
the code, uh, coupon code, get 10, and that'll give you 10% off the one-time low membership. And uh, you can get on the club group, which is a group that uh, we have uh, for folks that uh, want to discuss the podcast. And Helen uh, and I would love to have your questions. If we can help you in any way, then, uh, again, get on kidmencoach.com, join the club podcast group, and then just uh, hit the forum button, and uh, you'll see uh, something about this episode there on that group and you can just post any questions and we'll continue the conversation well miss helen thank you so much for being a part it's great to have you and uh we'll be seeing you real soon on a podcast episode near you that's right be sure and subscribe to uh the club leadership podcast with jim weidman if you haven't already And uh, we'll see you later online. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Club Leadership Podcast with Jim Weidman. To continue the conversation online, go to KidmanCoach.com and click on the club group. For more information about Jim, his blog, books, and resources, as well as his infused coaching program, go to JimWeidman.com. At Jim Weidman Ministries, we're committed to building strong leaders.